0: Today, we have a very special return guest, the lovely Angelika Lemke. She also featured in episode 40 of this podcast. She is the author of the groundbreaking book called Healing Complex Children with Homeopathy. And after our last interview, I ordered several boxes of her books, and they have been selling like hotcakes, which is a really strong indication for the desperate need that exists for parents to find answers to their children's complex health needs. Angelica's book is aimed at parents and homeopaths alike and I have loved the feedback I've been receiving from my clients who have read her book. We do still have some copies of her book available, so if you're in Australia, hop on our website, www.eugeniekruger.com, to purchase a copy. Or if you're outside Australia and you'd like a copy of her book, visit www.homeopathyforcomplexchildren.com. So today, Angelica will be sharing some of her cases with us, and I'm really excited to share this episode with all of you. If you want to get hold of Angelica, visit www.intuitivehomeopathy.com, or come and join our Facebook group, called Homeopathy Hangout podcast, where you can ask any questions you may have about this or any of our other episodes. Enjoy. Welcome to the Homeopathy Hangout, where we discuss all things homeopathy from around the world. And now my mum and your host, Eugenie Kruger. Hello, homies, and a very warm welcome to Homeopathy Hangout. Today, we have the incredible, magical, absolutely amazing Angelica Lemke on our show. She is a return guest, and you've got to have to scroll back to episode number 40 and have a listen, but today, she's got some more goodies in store for us. Angelica, welcome to the show again. It's so great to have you on. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. Now we have sold, I don't know, about fifty or sixty of your books by now. It's called Healing Complex Children with Homeopathy. And the feedback has been incredible. Our mums can't get enough of your book. And they've said it's so empowering. And it now is the book that lives on my desk. So I have about three books or so that live on my desk permanently. One is Roger Morrison's keynotes and one is Luke Norland's Anamalia book and the other one is your book. So they just awesome. live there next to my laptop all day long. <laughs> So well done on such an amazing book. But today you have some real goodies for us in store and I'm just going to let you go for it because you're an amazing speaker and I think the message that you have is so important in homeopathy and you've got a wonderful quote that you're going to kick us off with. So for our listeners that haven't listened to episode 40, maybe give them a quick little rundown of what you do and then I'm just going to leave the floor to you.
1: Sure. So I'm based in Ashland, Oregon, and right now I'm focusing mostly on teaching since my book has been out. And so I have an intuitive homeopathy school. Right now we have 130 students. We're teaching homeopathy for over A two year program. So just basically we're doing plants, animals, minerals, nosodes and miasms. And we also have a professional homeopathy group where we look at all of the very pieces that aren't talked about in classical homeopathic training. So it's just kind of an extension post grad study group. And it's been wonderful. And I've gotten the support of amazing people in Australia and in the United States and in the UK and it's been just an incredible journey of everything kind of snowballing. It started with, you know, this one case of autism that made me cry. And then a second case that made me cry and just kind of all of the cases where moms taught to me and I sat with them and I was compassionate with them and I learned from them. Everything built on itself and it was almost as if the universe was just putting each step in front of me, like, okay, now you've done this step, here's the next step. And it's just been this long journey that's resulted in this book that was really held by the universe. I mean, the the way that it kind of came into being was through a lot of divine intervention. And so it is not coming from a place of ego, it's coming from a place of wanting to Really have the tools available for these kids to get the support that they need. That's so yeah. Saying. I, you know, I, I want to start off today with a quote. And this quote is from a mother of an autistic child. And he was nonverbal and she was a, a lover of A Course in Mir- Miracles, which is a channeled book really about unconditional love and how healing is about removing the blockages that we have to knowing that we are just love. And this is what she shared with me and I typed it all down. So she said to cultivate intuition and connect on this deep level with my son, I have to be in tune. There's no other way to get the information to help him. I am so grateful for what he has taught me. I wouldn't have gone deep into myself and growth any other way. So a big thank you to the ASD kids. These kids came into this life taking it on. They're so badass of a soul. They came into a form that most of the world doesn't understand. And the world only looks at their deficits. But they are so courageous to stand in their light So deep, it's all or nothing for them. They stand in their truth and light so firmly. It's amazing to me, as if they are saying, I'm not selling my soul for a little conditional approval. You guys sold your soul for a little conditional approval, but I won't do it. Come back to me and find unconditional love. Wow. So I love that. I I love that a mom in her healing journey comes to that point in her realization. And this ultimately is where our kids are our teachers. They're teaching us about compassion and love. And if there's anything that I love to teach more than homeopathy, it's teaching intuition because intuition is this fifth element. It is this really special piece that weaves the whole healing journey together. And ultimately, in the end, it feels like healing, the purpose of it is to become more intuitive, to become more aligned, to become more connected to our unconditional self. And it's really easy to over pathologize kids, especially in the West. We have so many tests. I mean, they are analyzed up the wazoo and as soon as they get a diagnosis or that there's something wrong with them, that word, that diagnosis defines them and then they meet that expectation. And this is problematic. We don't see them as normal. We then see them as abnormal and that creates such a layer of separation. And so that separation is something that we need to heal As we go along with homeopathy, I mean, remedies like Ignatia and Lac Maternum and Napmir for that kind of, oh my God, I need to protect my heart. This child, there's something wrong with them. This child is not me, you know, and this is something that is a cultural disease, the way that we look at our kids. Mm -hmm. And so I just want us to come back to that, you know, and homeopathy is so wonderful because we don't want to put these disease labels on kids. And in that way, we don't even want to, you know, overly categorize them, like saying like, Oh, he's a silica. He's a lycopodium like, a because <laughs> where's their freedom to like break out of that, you know, out of that place? I, I mean, I, I, I think constitutional homeopathy is fundamental. And we absolutely need to learn our constitutions. And and I've gotten some criticism for teaching moms homeopathy.
0: Yes, and, you have. Um, what would you say to that? I mean, was there anything else that you want to say about that? The thing I was criticized for,
1: one, teaching moms. Another critique that I got was teaching no So no are a real you know, I'm a pretty open person and maybe I'm too naive because I'll put myself out there and I'll just share openly and generously. And then I'll get this kind of negative critique and think and be kind of surprised and shocked by it. But being, oh, intuitive homeopathy, that's not, that's too woo woo. That's out there. We've developed this science of homeopathy. Like that's not great. Oh, you're empowering moms. you know, there's a scarcity mindset, so we shouldn't empower everybody with homeopathy. And then three, like don't make available and don't teach the nozodes mm. to people. you know, And so there's a really strange and unusual trigger for people around some of these topics. And there's no sos create a lot of fear. No-sodes really represent shadow for people. And there's fear, I think, maybe that regulatory bodies will come after homeopathy because of no sos. But then there's just fear of no sos in general. Like, oh, I don't know how to dose them. It's different. Unfortunately, Nosodes can really help make the most progress mm-hmm. in these complex kids. And so it's because nosodes, I believe, really capture the most shadow aspects, the parts of us that we want to hide and sweep under the rug. Carcinocin has become this really well known remedy. I mean, it's like a universal remedy. Oh, yes, act. it is. It's a nosode it's talked about and shared about and pretty much a lot of homeopaths open up their cases with Mm. carcinosin and, but there's this proprietary feeling about it. Mm. Like this is our special tool. It's (laughs) ours. And it's like, no, you know what? Like a lot of these remedies should be universally available to people. If you can get that much healing from them, Mm. you know, and the fact of the matter is, is that you can get a lot of them just on Amazon, So, yeah, I teach about no sods, but the first time that I taught about no sods at an autism talk, it was a, a big autism seminar, two homeopaths sat me down. And just slammed me for teaching about it. And I was like crying. And again, I'm kind of like a little girl (laughs) that's just wanting to help people. And so it was such a shock to get that feedback that no sods are scary. And it's like, you know what? If they're scary, then what we need is to teach about it. Mm. We need more teaching, not to hush up about it. We need more teaching. Mm. And there's so much potentiality with them. There's the potentiality of clearing away all of these suppressed layers. There's Mm. the potentiality of prevention and homeoprophylaxis. And so I think we just need more education.
0: Mm. I think there's actually something important to say to the listeners as well, is that all of us are in different stages of our development And you mentioned before about the, you know, Aquarius and Pisces. And I am very interested in astrology and all that. I just don't know enough about it. It's something I really want to find out more about. But some people are probably going to have one foot in the one realm at the moment and one, you know, and some people in the other realm. And so their way of thinking and how their energy and where they're at in their own personal spirituality is going to be in different places. And same with homeopaths. Homeopaths are in different places. Some of them, the way that they prescribe is so different. And that's why I love this podcast because we have got very different people on here, very different homeopaths with very different viewpoints. So you need to find the homeopath that resonates with you and where you're at. And I think that's very powerful in itself as well. So some people. Absolutely.
1: You know, and I think homeopathy really should overcome its insecurities and not criticize other homeopaths. We need to feel united and that it's absolutely okay. I have this book at my desk, Henny Houdins-Mast. She was a Belgian homeopath who really practiced based on miasms, Mm. you know, and understanding remedies according to what miasm they were and seeing people according to classical miasm. She's this classical homeopath who had this like, really awesome way of engaging. And it worked and it worked for her. And I learned from her. And, and when I teach miasms, I will base a lot of what I teach on what I learned from her, but every homeopath, actually, when you look at miasms has a different perspective on miasms it's really variable. Rajan Sankaran has this whole expanded set of miasms and Mm. everybody has their different way of essentially categorizing remedy families Mm. according to how people respond to stress is the way I see miasms. But yeah, homeopaths don't agree on lots of things, but what we can agree on is to accept our fellow homeopaths with non-judgment and seeing that everybody is at their own stage. And some of us need a much more cali-carb, cal- carb routine way of doing learning and practicing and repertorizing. And that's perfect. And they will get the right people that come mm. to them. And so it's just trust. Mm-hmm. And we just really have to trust that like attracts like law of attraction that we are attracting in the people that we are meant to learn from. Mm. And that the energy goes both ways that our patients heal us as much as we're healing them. And if there isn't that exchange that's going to happen, it might not be a really useful client relationship. So, so So yeah, I I really pray Mm -hmm. that the world of homeopathy really just starts to unify around acceptance of all of the ways we can practice.
0: So why do you think us homeopaths do that?
1: Well, it's the world of homeopathy is pretty cerebral, for one. And I think it's roots being German as well, sadly enough, which is a pretty cerebral culture. I think it's just natural. And I think there's always ego involved. And so we feel like it's already alternative. And so you're already on the edge when you're practicing. And so you might have some insecurities. Mm. And then you're kind of building up your own way of doing things to bulwark your own insecurity. Mm. And if somebody's not doing it your way, that might make you question yourself and, and it makes you insecure. And so, you know, I feel like the whole purpose of healing is to come into a place of. Trusting, mm. and there's a spiritual quality to that, and we really just need to trust. I've gotten to interview as well for my school and my podcast homeopaths that use pendulums to mm. spell out the names of the remedies that they're meant to give, and they've had incredible success. I've spoken to homeopaths who just use radionics, who just intention, you know, all sorts of things. What matters, I think, at the end of the day, is people healing. Are they healing? Mm -hmm. You know, and it's been really exciting to me with my book and my class. Like, I have this one mom, and she's a stay-at-home mom. She comes from a very religious background that has been pretty constraining to her personal expression, and she had a couple special needs kids. And she said, your book gave me the permission to trust my intuition. And like, automatically I'm like, yes, like, that's what I really want. And she got an intuitive hit on Penguin. And so she posted in our group, does anybody know anything about the remedy Penguin? And I wrote back, I was like, no, not really. I gave that remedy once to a little girl who basically was having problems with her friends and feeling excluded from friend groups. And then on taking that remedy, she let go of that feeling of drama and she made friends with a boy and they became like best friends, which is actually penguin-like behavior. They have fear of exclusion from the group. And so I put that up there and and so, and then she got another intuitive sign from the universe of a penguin. Like the penguins showed up on her computer in some sort of way. So she got the remedy and gave it to her son and he completely socialized. Mm -hmm. He went from like non-social to socializing, had this huge healing and I love it. You know, for one, she didn't have to invest in a homeopath and she did it herself. Mm -hmm. Her son got a lot of healing and then she got deep feedback to trust her intuition. Mm -hmm. So she healed something in her to continue to trust. And she continues to trust and give remedies in that way. Mm. And she has since released some of her religiosity and let go of some of the constraints she had on herself with her religion, because she's learning it's evolving her more than just healing her kids. She's Mm. becoming more strong in her authenticity. Mm. And so I'm very excited by that. And there are how many kids now have a chronic disease diagnosis? Empowering mothers to treat their kids is something homeopaths have always done. My book just reflects the fact that so many kids now have chronic disease. Mm-hmm. So we had to have a homeopathy book to help with that beyond just treating babies and
0: pregnancy and, and acutes. Mm, amazing. So I just want, I sit with this question every single day is how do we fix this mess that our children's health is in at the moment, chronically worldwide? How do we fix this mess? And the answer that I keep coming back to is if we can empower mothers to get back to trusting their instincts, but it's actually, it goes further than that. I mean, the moment you're pregnant, you're a mother, not just when that child comes out but we actually need to get those moms actually pre-conception. We need to get women. We need to get young girls. And, you know, I just finished reading this book, The Period Repair Manual by Lara Bryden. I've heard of it. And it is so good. And I'm like, why are we not teaching teenage girls this information of getting in tune with their period, with their cycle, right from the beginning, even before they get their cycle so that accepted and it's embraced and it is understood. And that gets you really in tune with your body when you are in tune with your cycle. But instead, we put these kids on contraceptive pill from age 12, 13, you know, the second their period starts, they've got a little bit of pain or a bit of acne they could put on this on the pill. So immediately that intuition that you would have with your body, that connection that you would have with your body cycle is suppressed. And then there's the pregnancy and you get forced into tests and forced into ultrasounds and because it's your first child, you don't know any better and then you get induced and then they tell you you have to inject all the stuff into your kid and then your child gets their first illness and they go to the doctor and you have to be given antibiotics. And somewhere along the line, if you're lucky, you find out about homeopathy and your whole life changes because suddenly you are forced to look at your child, not just, oh, they have an ear infection, but what makes it better? Are they clingy? Is it red? Which side is it on? And suddenly you're like, oh, I actually need to look at myself or look at this person and really what is happening in there. And, you know, that's where we need to get back to. Not when the child's already got a chronic condition. We need to get young girls in tune with their bodies so they don't get in this mess in the first place that then we have to clean up afterwards.
1: Absolutely. You know, and it's a global awakening that is happening. And it's messy where, you know, there will be a large segment of the human population that's just going and moving into deep degeneration. Right. I was speaking with a homeopath friend and she's like, everyone talks about when the apocalypse is coming. She's like, the apocalypse is here. It's now. <laughs> and I'm like, oh my gosh, <laughs> I think you might be right. And so we all just get so discouraged when we look out into the world, but what did COVID teach us? COVID taught us to look inside. And if we can heal all aspects of ourselves, you know, and really go in, we're healing the world because really we are all right. So everything that's within us is connected to everything outside of us. And so we can get really quite Idealistic and we can get into this causticum state about wanting to save the world, this Ignatia state of disappointment and like really being driven by our disappointments and being out in the world. And if you're coming from that place of grief and disappointment, you're going to keep getting those people coming into your practice. You're going to keep getting the Ignatias and the causticums. And so until you start taking that remedy enough yourself and then it will shift. So I think it's really starts from within. And if we can kind of heal as many layers as possible from within our own ancestry, our own traumas, our past lives, then, then the healing just, we be, we become the medicine mm. and we impact everybody around us. Mm. And when we are in resonance and we are in coherence, other people around us can be in coherence as well. So, you know, that hopefully catches on and, you know, we've we've got, I don't know, I think just the timeline is what I question is like how fast will homeopathy and this mm. style of healing really catch on versus
0: is it gonna take like hundreds of years? No, I, I don't I know. think it's gonna be very fast because I really if I look at the people around me, they're ready. And if I look at the mums in Perth, I mean I've only been in Perth six years and I've created this community of a thousand mums that are just so excited about homeopathy and getting the most incredible results. And this wouldn't have happened if people weren't ready. I think if I had come at any other time or, you know, it it wouldn't have been the same, but it feels like people are ready now. And after COVID even more so they want to take their power back. They're tired of being scared of getting an illness and they're tired of being forced to be told what medication to take. You mentioned something else, Angelica, you said about if we are the medicine, if we heal ourselves, we heal our community. And I always say this to mothers as well. You know, us moms, we always take the kids in to have the consultation. But actually, if we heal ourselves, our children can heal through that. And often I will say that to the moms. I'll say to them, I know you want to focus on your kids and we always put ourselves last. But actually, you need to put yourself first because that is how you're going to heal yourself. By you healing and addressing all these things from your past and all the, the childhood trauma and any other trauma in your life healing that Absolutely. and then your child will
1: heal. And sometimes that makes means making big life changes. And I talk about this in the book, but sometimes people get really stuck in their healing path because they're afraid to leave a partner, find a new career, move out of their moldy house. You know, all of these things that are things that need to be let go of. In order to heal, we need to make some big changes sometimes. And so for the people listening, are there areas in your life that you have been procrastinating on that you've been just kind of i know i need to do this but i'm leaving it till later because we're resistant to change you know and change is hard we we're creatures of habit and so really think about that how can you really visualize your life in a more positive better what does healed look like you know, and, and sometimes people are kind of in their circle with healing where they're not kind of really, they're kind of just chasing their tail as opposed to like progressing upward because they don't have a really true, strong vision, an evolutionary vision for themselves of what healing looks like. And sometimes that evolutionary vision does come from connecting to our highest self, you know, really a spiritualized process where we are connecting our alignment And the part of us that really knows what's best. And sometimes that higher self will guide us in ways that our ego doesn't want to hear. They may guide us to stay with a partner. They may guide us to leave a partner. Or they may guide us to move somewhere or take a job in ways that our ego is resistant to. And when you can find that difference, like that is true intuition, true faith to listen to that guidance as opposed to like just following the needs and drives of my ego.
0: So what would you say to homeopaths who say that you shouldn't be teaching this type of prescribing to your children? Cause. To I know.
1: I, and I've gotten that feedback. I gave a big talk last February or March and I got tons of positive feedback and like two or three really nasty remarks from homeopaths saying that, I, you know, this is really dangerous to be teaching this to moms, <laughs> that they're just going to be wildly prescribing for their kids. And my feeling is, is that moms want to learn so badly. And if we keep them in the dark by, you know, keeping the remedy names secret, not, for example, understand um, that. then they're always codependent on the homeopath. Yeah, And we can't treat all of the kids that need the help with the amount of homeopaths that we have. Yeah. You know, what? what's really frustrating to me is how I had helped cases and gotten them far along. And then they stop seeing me, you know, life happens and then they come back and things have backslided and they could have just given the remedies. And because I didn't teach the remedies to them, they never dosed them. And if they had just dosed the remedies that I'd given before, they would have gotten back Mm. on track again. Mm. And so that's what's discouraging. And Mm. we have moved from the age of Pisces to the age of
0: Aquarius.
1: What's the difference?
0: No idea. The age of
1: Pisces (laughs) is about the kind of the the guru, the age of the guru. Like there's a hierarchy between the teacher and the student or the patient and the doctor. And people love that hierarchy because what they do is it gives them a sense of power. It makes them feel like I've got the power to heal. You don't. And really we're moving out of that into the age of Aquarius, which is an egalitarian place where we should be equals with our patients. The internet is all about egalitarianism. I mean, it has leveled the playing field. Everybody can learn online. They can find their remedies. They can look it up. And for the homeopaths who feel like we shouldn't be teaching this to moms, it's like, well, guess what? You'll get the clients who want to be codependent and listen to everything that you say. And that's great. And if that works for you, wonderful. But there are tons of moms out there that are so ready to (laughs) learn. And my journey with these moms was really helping these moms who had healed their kids. And they wanted to learn because their heart wanted to give back. They wanted to heal their communities because all of them are networked with all of these other moms online and wanting to help them. Mm. And so many of them did. And I'm not just, I'm actually putting out a two and a half year school. So a lot of homeopaths think, oh, I'm just giving this like free license for anybody to go out there and give remedies willy nilly. I'm actually created a two and a half year school that I have now am in the third round of teaching. You know, and I've had professional homeopaths take my school and say they've got deeper homeopathy for me than they got in a standard homeopathic education. So, um, you know, I'm not saying that not to educate yourself in homeopathy. Absolutely. But these moms absolutely are like the perfect grassroots people to learn homeopathy and to learn it from that intuitive heartfelt space, because, the other thing that's shifting on this planet is this shift where we're, we've we just been so in our heads and disconnected from our bodies. And what we have to bring back to homeopathy is practicing homeopathy from an embodied place not from just this super cerebral place, you know, it can be really boring going to homeopathy seminars because people are just sitting there with their laptops, you know, and they just, honestly, a lot of people don't look healthy in their bodies because they're not moving their bodies, but we need to be moving our bodies. We need to be embodied. And that's a style of homeopathy that I want to teach is like, listen to your body, actually soccer on, brought the sensation process really to the forefront. That's a really embodied way of doing homeopathic intake. So um, these moms and then these kids who are nonverbal, when we do the sensation process, we're connecting to the bodies. We're connecting to these children. And so, so yes, I think that people, a lot of homeopaths still have a scarcity mindset which makes no sense to me because our world is filled with everybody being pretty sick. So there's more than enough sick people and sick kids to go around. You don't have to worry that your clients are going to go away from you because who comes to you is always your teacher, always who you're going to need to learn from and where your growth curve is at. You know, and so there will always be people for the homeopath out there. And if you're blocked in your own progress as a homeopath, you will be blocked with your clients and with attracting people in. So I would say, learn more if you're in that place.
0: That's so, absolutely beautiful. Have you heard of that little book called the little soul in the sun by Neil Donald Walsh? Oh,
1: I've got that book. Oh. He lives in my town. Neil? No,
0: Neil are you serious? Mm. Oh, yeah. His first book, Conversations with God, a colleague gave to me 20 odd years ago, and that really made such a huge difference in my life. And then after the birth of my first child, my midwife gave me the book, The Little Soul in the Sun, but I give this to so many of my clients. Well, actually I I send them to the YouTube videos. So there's now a lady on YouTube that reads the book out. The clip is 13 minutes and almost at the end of all of my prescriptions, I put, and please watch this video, The Little Soul in the Sun. Because that, I would say that sums up my belief in 13 minutes, my spiritual beliefs, because we're all just spiritual beings that have this human existence. And the only way that we can learn is through whichever experiences we choose to have. On this earth. And I really believe that we choose our children and they choose us. And my kids go to a Steiner school and on their birthday, the teacher tells this beautiful story in Kendi of how you were up in the heavens and you looked at all the different families and then you saw your family. And it's just so beautiful. My daughter often says to me, mommy, I'm so glad I chose you. And I'm like, yeah, we chose each other because we are teaching each other lessons on this planet. And I do believe that the spirits who choose to come onto this planet with something like asd or the mums who choose to have two or three children with asd they just decided that this lifetime they want to fast track their consciousness <laughs> Absolutely. And, and, and but if you you need to also learn that lesson like you need to like that's what i feel like with you angelica you're actually helping these mums to and children and families, communities, because you're not just affecting your family, you're affecting that whole community. And when the people in the school or what your sports groups see the changes, they heal through that as well. So I just feel that if you can see the lesson and if like, I so often get moms in and they'll be like, my, my child is like this, my child is like this, my child is like this. And I always try to think of how is a nice way that I could say to them, your child's just reflecting what you have inside of you. And I'm so aware of that with my kids, they, they throw back in my face, all the stuff that I am projecting out and we can actually use our children. If we are serious about healing and raising our consciousness and healing the planet, what your child's reflecting back to you, it's it's just a mirror. They are just our mirrors and it's such a beautiful healing opportunity. And because we're so far removed from our intuition, what you are doing is you are teaching us to tap into our intuition kind of take that back on ourselves that, okay, we need to, your, your child's not being like this on purpose to be mean to you. They're just reflecting something back to you and, and how you can both heal through that. So that's where I think the real power lies in your book is getting us back to our intuition, connecting with our children, because one of the techniques that you use is kind of to get the parents into sort of like a meditative state and then say, you know, like imagine it, you're in your child's body. What does that feel like for them? And, The power that comes from actually just think of what that must feel like for your child to be banging their head like that. What would be some reasons behind that? Why? What do you think they feel like when they do that? And then getting to the essence of that instead of just saying, oh, my child is just being naughty or my child is just doing this to get attention. No, they're not. They're doing it because they're trying to express something to you. They're trying to hold a mirror up to you. So.
1: Right. And and a lot of things that we suppress our own anger, our own like irritability comes out in our kids. And then when we see it, we get frustrated. You know, we don't want to see that in our kids. And so we really need to kind of work on that. I mean, you know, it's, it's interesting. Anytime I take like a parasite tincture, like, or something for parasites for myself, which isn't often, but once in a while, yeah, my kid will just act up. It's almost as if then she she's like the energy of my frustrated parasite that's getting the, the the medicine. And yeah, they are a piece of us. And so absolutely we really need to. And I think sometimes that's discouraging for moms too cuz then they feel, "Oh gosh, if they're a piece of me, then I'm responsible." And, and then this like reflects badly on me. And it's like, no, no, Mm -hmm. not at all. Mm -hmm. Absolutely not. It's like not coming from that place of judgment and just coming from that place of Mm holism. Like you are one whole unit. Mm -hmm. And when you heal, you're coming to that place in your heart that doesn't have any judgment at all. You know, I don't have judgment. There are no negative emotions. Mm -hmm. You know, emotions are just emotions, anger, you know, the the rage, the crying. It's just energy that needs to move. Mm -hmm. And so we don't have to have like a negative perspective on it. Mm -hmm. Recently, a child, this was just yesterday, came over to my house and had a total meltdown. And it put my child into PTSD (laughs) And put her into fight or flight. And so it was just this like trigger effect. And this kid yelled all of this like mean stuff at my daughter. And it really like shook her up. And the next day she asked me all of these questions actually about death. (laughs) And I thought about that book, the Neil Donald Walsh book, because I thought, well, this was awful. This was traumatic. This Kind of thing happens all the time between kids, but I could also feel my daughter actually wrote an I am sorry letter and then wrote why she felt the way that she did. And it gave her that opportunity to talk about how she felt and to deal with some deep fears that she had. And so, yeah, all of these things happen. Kids have meltdowns and rages and they're defiant, but they're moving through stuff. And we can just kind of support them with that. And how would we want to have been treated if we were a kid going through that? And we don't always have to give a remedy. You know, sometimes I feel like as homeopaths, as moms with my book, like we think we always need to give a remedy. But sometimes our kids have the wisdom to figure it out. I mean, my daughter was like, I want to write a letter to this Mm -hmm. girl. I'm like, okay, great, let's
0: do it. Like that's her just, for getting it out, that is so yeah. beautiful. So, yeah, yeah, I think you know. Just going back a little bit to what you were saying. Oh, I was going to say about the the judgment as well. There's there's definitely zero judgment when a client comes into me and they. I mean, I had somebody yesterday and they said, you know, I get so angry, I just want to throw my child against the wall and smack them. You know, and there's just no judgment from us. Like when I hear that, all I see is just these you and and your child just decided to do this weird thing called human existence on planet earth together. It's just the pact that you guys made. And this is just some of the things that you're dealing with. There's no judgment about that. It's just, just is what it is. And yeah. And then something else I was going to say earlier, just tying in with what you were saying about the age of Aquarius, where there's kind of like the master and the student type thing and how people kind of accept their labels and then just kind of make it their own. And I feel like there's, so often people want a guru. They want somebody, they want to hand the responsibility over to somebody else because then they're not responsible for their own healing because being responsible for your own healing is quite scary because everything is on you. But actually there's also such great power that lies in that. And that's also, you know, when it comes to, I mean, I see so many births gone wrong in my clinic because mums were not held and they weren't empowered to make decisions for themselves and then the mess that comes from that and just how willingly we hand over our power it's just actually quite mind-blowing I mean COVID showed us as that everyone you know they're like yeah forced vaccination yeah sure wear a mask all the time yeah sure put a mask on your kid yeah sure like people are so quick to hand it over because they want somebody else to tell them what to do because having to take responsibility for your own life and your own choices is very, very scary. But if as a human race, we can actually get to that place of empowerment of, yes, I am an empowered person. I have got my intuition intact. I know what's right for me and for my family. That's going to be the most incredible experience ever. And I really hope we get to that place. We just need that mass amount of people to wake up and take responsibility for their own lives. People their own are health, so their
1: excited to take that responsibility now more than ever. We have a really educated population of people, you know, that are distrusting the systems. And we're seeing that system is just generating fear after fear. I mean, it was COVID, now it's monkeypox, you know, and it's 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 crazy, right? It's like now they're vaccinating for you know, and it's it's just gonna continue and continue and continue. And there's something inside of us that's waking up and saying, I'm fed up. Mm. You know, I, I I I don't want to swallow these th- this anymore. And mm. And yeah that taking responsibility is is really being like an adult. Mm-hmm. You know with your health as opposed to being a child where the system is the surrogate parent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And there's remedies for monkeypox. You know? there's, <laughs> there's, you know, remedies. Should that go around?
0: <laughs> we have just had our print run of t-shirts that say, yes, I have a remedy for that. So we have Kitty's t shirts that says my mummy has a remedy for that. And my daughter wears hers very proudly to school. She showed it to everyone this week at all the teachers. And then one of the teachers asked her, what is a remedy? And she explained. And then we have the adult t shirts that says, yes, I have a remedy for that because yes, we do have remedies for everything. <laughs>
1: Yeah. I mean, it's, I was just doing research actually on Saracenia because that's supposed to be the genus epidemicus for smallpox. Oh. And at, when I first heard that, I knew some homeopaths were ordering it. I thought, oh, how weird, like what a strange remedy. And then I look into it and there's case studies after case studies. I mean, they've treated like whole epidemics of smallpox with this remedy as a preventative. What was the so? Called? saracenia which is pitcher plant oh cool I don't think I've ever (laughs) heard of that (laughs) I know and so you know I I I haven't given it I'm not caving into the fear of smallpox I, I don't think it's a big deal We actually had a bunch of people in New York, like on the East coast tends to be a little bit more of a fear driven part of the country in that way. And so a lot of people from New York are ordering remedies for Mm. smallpox and they're getting saracenia. And, you know, I, from what I read that basically there's all of these cases, a woman far advanced in her pregnancy was cured of smallpox using saracenia. It was given to 2,000 people living in the middle of a smallpox epidemic. None of them got the smallpox. It's kind of cool. Saracenia, and what's even cooler about this history is it was discovered by the Native Americans as a remedy for smallpox. So they had smallpox and they discovered it, they think based on the doctrine of signatures. So the saracenia is the pitcher plant. And the pitcher plant has spots on it that look like smallpox. Not only that, I was thinking about it just from my perspective. Sangron writes of the carnivorous plants that the carnivorous plant theme is feeling deceived, feeling like you can't trust people. Uh-huh. So it's like the pitcher plant is a carnivorous plant and the insect is kind of toddling along the outside and he falls in and he drowns in this fluid right and then he's like eaten up and it's this like deceitful malicious trap and so there's this like larger energy field around saracenia about feeling deceived and i thought wow how interesting that that's associated with smallpox and smallpox and monkeypox is what we're hearing about because that's the feeling underlying what our culture is starting to feel as feeling of great deception. Mm-hmm. So I have to that's what happens is, is like is that our culture has a kind of a psychic field and then the disease comes to fill that space. Right? It's not like you. the disease comes out of nowhere. Yeah. The psychic field creates the resonance and the potentiation for that disease to come forward.
0: I have to tell you something else, very interesting. The remedy death's head hawk moth was a big remedy that I used for anxiety with COVID. Like when we were getting a lot of force and mandatory vaccinations here in Australia, that one of the themes of the remedy is they feel forced to do something they don't want to do. And So a lot of these people were forced to go and get vaccinated when they didn't want to, but otherwise they would lose their job and they would lose their homes. So what's really quite freaky about this remedy is it was the moth that is on the mouth of the poster for Silence of the Lambs. And there's this, this, this head hawk moth that's over the person's mouth. But then it gets a little bit freakier because one of the vaccines, I think it was the Novavax, was made using the moth moths. So I don't know. I don't. I don't know oh. if it was the dated hawk moth that they used. Probably not. But one of the vaccines was made using moth cell lines. So that was very interesting. That's but...
1: so bizarre. Yeah, it's funny it. because the one homeopath I'm friends with in Australia has just dosed Bombix PROS, yeah. which is so a pr- moth precession. remedy for prickling sensations, yeah. and it helped her with that. But that prickling sensation was associated with MCAS. You know, mast cell activated
0: syndrome.
1: And tons of people have mast cell activated syndrome right now. Maybe it's connected to the fact
0: that we're using insects. You just keep going down the Who knows? Yeah, no, absolutely.
1: It's bizarre. I mean, the way everything's connected is totally
0: totally bizarre absolutely and but um, the more you tap into that the way that it's all connected and realize that we know nothing and we need to stay open I think that's what us homeopaths need to to do more hey it's like no that can't be right just stay open just consider the possibilities you don't have to take it all on just let it come through and flow through you if it doesn't work for you just let it go but don't block things out just just consider the possibility
1: Right. And, and we can get as much in fear mentality as everybody else. I know that homeopaths can feel like like us against them mm-hmm. and that every time like a new toxin or a new vaccine or a new it's like we're just at battle. You know, now we have to find the next remedy or the next isopathic cure for this, this, this and that. And, you know, ultimately we need to, to heal. We need to kind of step out of that game altogether, Mm -hmm. you know, and just trust that the right remedies, the right medicine, the right situations will show up for us Mm -hmm. and that we can create heaven on earth Mm -hmm. when we're in that place of trusting.
0: That's a really good place to finish off because it was an awesome quote, but also because it is now 7.30 a.m. here in Perth. I've been recording since 6.30 and I need to go drop my kids off to school. Okay, <laughs> but wonderful. I We've covered a lot so love our conversation and I'm just like thinking, how can I get you on my show every single week? Because I just can't get enough of the message that you have to share. And I hope more homeopaths will just keep their minds open and take your course. Two of the homeopaths that I work with are taking your course and they are loving it. And I just hope people will just, you know, tap into their intuition, mums, homeopaths, all of us, because that's how we're going to heal ourselves and the planet. Tap into that intuition. You've got that little voice inside of you. It's always been there. It always will be there. It's always there to help you.
1: Yes, absolutely. Thank you so much, (laughs) Eugenie.
0: Seeing you lots of love. Bye. Okay. Bye-bye.